Hey everybody, welcome to episode 41 of the Masterclass. I'm Cam and I'm here with Dave. Hi Dave. Hello Cam. How are you sir? Good, and you? Uh, I am alright. Alright. It was an okay day at the bank today. (laughs) I only had one mildly upset. He wasn't even a customer, but I handled it. Good. Good. Because I'm in charge. That's what I tell myself anyways. (laughs) So Dave... Yes, sir. As we record this, yes, it is ten days until Christmas, and it's like fifty-four degrees outside. <laughs> it is, which is just blowing my northern mind. I don't know how this happens. I think, I think it's warm everywhere. Yeah, because Buffalo, New York, doesn't have any snow, and that breaks like a hundred and sixteen-year record of them having snow this far into December. How many years ago was it where they were buried? Wasn't that long ago? Like two years ago, yeah. That was pretty nuts. So it's—I don't think it's really snowed anywhere but the mountains. Well, old Denver got hammered. My sister sent a photo. Her car was buried in like a foot of snow. But even in Denver, it has a tendency to melt fairly quickly too. They're sticking around. Yeah, they're in the in the (laughs) the throes of winter. But anyhow, I bring up Christmas not to talk about the weather, Dave. I thought we were friends. Jeez, small talk. Small talk. Gosh, (laughs) took us forty-one episodes to get the small talk though. So that's you know a good thing. (laughs) Um, I want to know what you like most about Christmas. And don't I, you dare say Christmas music, because I will end this podcast right now. I, I was going to say Christmas music. That's oh, <laughs> terrible. No, it's not. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. I like Christmas hymns. So not so much Christmas carols or okay. Christmas songs. But... We can agree on that. <laughs> and... Um, I have actually been very much enjoying, um, well, this year, Hark the Herald Angel Sings has really been, um, one that has stood out to me and, um, I don't know. I've just, I've, I've, um, I've been struck at the gospel message that is in many of those, um, Christmas carols and just, um, oh, you know, um, God and sinners reconciled and, uh, talking about, uh, born that man no more may die and just, just things like that. And, and, um, we miss, we miss so much of that. Uh, well, my, I guess I'll speak from my experience of just, um, getting so focused on the wrong things at this time of year. And, um, so I've always liked the Christmas music, but particularly the Christmas hymns and this year have just really enjoyed, uh, those moments of hearing a song and realizing that, Oh, the gospel's being proclaimed and, you know, just kind of hoping that people are hearing those same songs and maybe taking them to a little bit more to heart than what they have in past. Um, and then I guess there's, there's a feeling that goes with this time of year that just isn't happening with the weather. I know we were kind of joking about that, but normally I kind of like just the fact it's getting cold and there's the possibility of snow and you can have a fire in the fireplace and things like that. And it's just not experiencing that much. This you can year. have a fire outside now. Yeah. <laughs> Go sit in the backyard. 
So what about you? Well, uh, I, I would agree that Christmas hymns I enjoy, but Christmas music makes me want to put my head through a wall. And I work at a bank. So, so guess what I've been hear. listening to since Thanksgiving? <laughs> Frosty the Rudolph. Man, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Here Santa Baby. Santa oh, Santa yeah. Baby. That's the worst. Santa Baby. <laughs> um, just awful songs, and they get stuck in my head, and I start singing along, and I just want to, like, cry, because they're making me do something that I hate. And I can't help it, and it's just frustrating. And then, naturally, I start singing the YMCA, which just makes everything worse. Because, Why? Because, <laughs> because you're supposed to sing the YMCA if you want to get a song. Oh, song, I had not heard which that. Which is the reason is because the YMCA then gets stuck in your head. So it's replacing something bad uh, with something equally as terrible, just different. So gotcha. it's been a it's been a rough, you know, <laughs> mental season. mental burden for the last two and a half weeks. Um, but what I'm actually looking forward to um, is not working for a week. That's a good thing. Uh, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that. I get to go home. Uh, I've been, I've been home around Christmas every year since I left, but this is the first year in three that I'll actually be home on Christmas Eve wow. and Christmas. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and my whole family will be there. Um, what else am I looking forward to? Hopefully some snow. There should be snow in yeah. Michigan. Well, it's been like warm there too. <laughs> so, um, and I'm getting my wife a cat for Christmas. So I guess I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> She's been doing research. It was supposed to be. She's a not going to listen to this between now and then. Is she? <laughs> oh, she already cracked me, Dave. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were talking about Christmas presents because she got me a GoPro hero four session, which is just super cool. And I was like, well, I've been doing research on yours, but you know, you can't have it until we get back from Detroit. Cause I'm not going to give her a cat and be like, ah, see you in five days. Cause that would be cruel. Um, yeah. and so she's like, why are you getting me a cat? And I was like, are you kidding me? How'd you know? She was like, Oh, I was just kidding. I didn't think you were actually getting me a cat. And then she didn't believe me for like an hour, but now she's been doing research on cats and where we're going to go. And yeah, I think I might've awoken the beast here. Uh oh. So I'll report back on that later. All right. Well, yes, I suppose, unless you have anything further to add, David, I do not that we should read the Bible. Sounds like a plan. Where are we reading this week? Oh gosh. We're, we've moved on to Matthew 12. Verses one through eight this week. I, I only prepare for Amos, so for Amos. Yeah, I don't know why or the, where that came from. I'm not sure. Well, I guess we're just gonna have to go with it. Matthew 12, it is. Yeah, because I don't think Jesus said anything in Amos, did he? Day, I didn't say it made any sense. I'm just telling you what I prepared for. Okay, it. all right. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? Didn't read that the way I wanted it to. (laughs) 
Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Merci beaucoup. That's it. That is it. That is it. Thus be the, the word of the Lord. <laughs> All right, Dave. Uh-huh. Other than the fact that the Pharisees are a bunch of Pharisees, Nimrods, who's also in the Bible. A Whoa. mighty warrior. Yeah. Who saw that one coming? <laughs> All right. Other than that, there's a, a key concept or word here that I feel like we should discuss because a proper understanding of it will lead to a proper understanding of this passage. So, sir, I bequeath you, pray do tell, what is the Sabbath? Oh, my gosh. What is the Sabbath? Bequeath, be. <laughs> is that the right word? Beseech. Maybe that's what I was looking for. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. We're going down quick, Dave. <laughs> so what is... No, bequeath means I give to you. I beseech you. Beseech you. Good night. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so upset at myself. Uh, so if we take a look at the Ten Commandments... And if we go to Exodus 20, verse 8, it tells us there, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so um, that is where we get the Sabbath, is God created, according to the book of Genesis, God created the earth in six days, and then he rests on the seventh. Um, and so he asked us to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Um, I'm not going to be able to go over everything that the Jewish people um, attributed to the Sabbath, um, but it very much became filled with a list of do mostly don'ts. <laughs> I was going to say do's and don'ts, mostly don'ts. Yeah, do nothing. Yeah, it's <laughs> truly what. So, so it's like they took the spirit of resting and, and you know, was literally like you can only walk so far, you can, you really yeah, are. A number of steps or a specific distance yeah. from your home. And I think even to the point, too, that they ate leftovers on that yeah, day. Yeah, they didn't cook on that day. Yeah, they made everything on, which isn't a bad thing, but it, it, the Sabbath became... Um, you know, God created it for rest. He created a a, a six day work week, and then realized uh, if we work every take that day, America a six day work week, yeah, and said we need to rest. And so, um, I think the idea behind the Sabbath and resting 
was um, to rejuvenate ourselves, but obviously rejuvenate ourselves with uh, an eye, a focus on God. And um, I, he, he intended it for our well-being, and it really much like just about anything that he gives to us human beings, we send we tend <laughs> have a tendency to distort it and to turn it into something that he never intended it to be. So I don't I know. believe we call that um pivoting, pivoting in the startup culture, Dave. We're gonna we're gonna go down a track and when we realize it's not working for us, we pivot. We pivot and we change. Gotcha. Yeah, it's also known, you know, in the Bible as sinning, but whatever. <laughs> not a big deal. All right, so I really, I personally want to focus on this idea of Sabbath for a while here because mm-hmm. I think that my, I won't speak for other people. My initial reaction to Sabbath is, yeah, 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 take a day to, to rest. Great. Okay, let's move on. But Jesus talks about the Sabbath more and he makes a point to kind of show the Pharisees up here and even calls himself at the end, the Lord of the Sabbath. So this is something that is important. And I think as you stated well, that the Pharisees and and the, the uh, Jewish folks over the course of history have totally um, taken the soul out of by all of those Mm -hmm. rules and such. Um, But I think as Christians, um, and again, I'll speak for myself here. Um, I don't feel like I have a proper understanding of, of why the Sabbath is so important and why God established the rhythm of life to include that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I, I, I want to know why, why should I care about what the Sabbath is? Um, why should it be important in my life? Um, that sort of stuff. It's a good question. <laughs> well, I thought so. <clears throat> I mean, here's my initial pass at it. It's important because God did it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if we want to be like God, we should also do what God does. Um, and if God needs rest, then surely we need rest. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, even. Um, but this idea of one day a week where we just kind of drop everything, mm-hmm. um, that seems like the common excuse would be, I'm too busy, I can't do that. Uh huh. Um, so I just, I, I'm trying to, to, as a, you know, what is this? The 21st century yeah, American caught up in the busyness of life as we know it. How, how do I take something that kind of counters my experience in life and embrace it? Uh, yeah, it, and I even think it, you know, one of the things um, we talk about, in addition to the, um, 
the Jews making all these laws and all these rules related to the Sabbath, um, I think they had a better concept of what needed to be done in terms of um, the rest and um, making, I mean, because it's not just about rest. He says, remember my day and make it holy, keep it holy. I'm going to go with keep it holy because he's probably the one that makes it uh, holy. Um, and again, it's, I mean, this is central to the to the creation story. It was something God did from the very, very beginning. Um, so, there's got to be something more going on here than just resting and something that's related uh, to holiness. And I don't know, it's... Uh, um, you know, much of what we talk about wanting this podcast to be is to talk about how uh, what Jesus said and in, in how it relates to us today. And I'm not thinking that watching football is necessarily a bad thing on Sunday because it's one of my favorite things to do <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon um, or turn NASCAR on and fall asleep to the sound of cars going... <laughs> around the track. Um, and so, uh, because the other thing is, is that we do is we go to church on the Sabbath. And I'm, I'm even like, it's just funny because I just have this like flood of ideas that are just going through my head of, of what it is that we actually do on this day that God told us to keep rest and uh, to make it holy. Um School choir concerts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is what I did this past Sunday, which uh, kind of annoyed me to no end to be sitting there with a room full of people. So with all that said, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is um, in addition to the rest that God called for on the Sabbath and going to the church and worshiping Him on Sunday— I, I have this um, just sense that he created the day for us to focus on him, uh, to be renewed in him, um, because ultimately that's where rest comes from. That's where, um, you know, going even back to last week where we talked about being yoked with Christ. And it's just, uh, this is definitely one of those things that I believe we have just lost is this ability to um, go to God and allow Him to replenish us. And I know, like I said, I, I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with so many of the things. And I, I, again, I, I'm, I'm evaluating what I do with my Sundays, you know, taking naps and watching football and eating and going to church. And I, to be candid, I'm, I'm being somewhat convicted of... Uh, I think I take the I take the Sabbath for granted. I don't think I take it as seriously as I should. And one, I, there's a sense of um, disobedience to God. But on a bigger sense, I think I'm there's this just sort of realization of I'm missing out on something good that God has for me. So, 
yeah, I think there's we, we probably need to be taking the Sabbath a whole lot more serious uh, than we do and realizing God's purpose for it. Yeah, I think we could add it to the list of things we should take more seriously. <laughs> um, it's not a short list. No, not not at all. All right. Um, I guess we can come back to that next question later. Um, let's skip down to verse 6. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, uh, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, which seems to me to be like a, you know, old school, like, diss. <laughs> oh, you know. But I don't really think Jesus was that way. No. In the sense that he was trying to show off. But I feel like that statement something greater than the temple is here would have triggered a certain response from the Pharisees whose life was the temple and the laws that surrounded it. So what does this mean when Jesus tells them that something greater than the temple is here? Uh, well, he's, he's talking about himself. Um, and when, you know, I think he says something greater than the temple is here. Uh, Going back to the very, uh, where we began with the Sermon on the Mount when he says the kingdom of heaven is near, I think there's very much an element of not only um, is Jesus there, but the kingdom of heaven is there. And while they want to focus on this building, this container, um, I think Jesus is pointing them to something bigger and just saying, you're missing Uh, You're missing um, what's going on here. Um, And ultimately, um, again, I, you know, as I I just think about this in the the application to my life of just, um, there's more to the Sabbath, there's more to a Sunday um, than what I make it. And uh, again, uh, I think there's there's just the sense of um, there's something greater than the Sabbath that's available to us. There's something greater to available to us than just a day and making it holy. It is that relationship. It is the um, worship of um, God the Creator. Um, Jesus who came in flesh, and then the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just this, um, yeah, just the awesomeness of, of God. The, the the veil was torn, you know, and God is available to us in a way that he wasn't. He wasn't available, even when Jesus is saying, um, there's something here greater than, so there's something greater than the temple here. Um there's something even greater available to us than, you know, what was going on when Jesus was present there. Um, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I want to back up a step Go ahead. to get back to where you are now. So we're not going to make any progress, but we're, we're going to backtrack and get back to where we are. Um, I think one of the things that uh, just kind of hit me, um, and this is, I think, thanks to my college education finally coming in <laughs> handy, Um is the temple in Jerusalem was 
the end of a long line of places where God's presence was on earth, right? First it was in the tabernacle, the pillar, or no, the pillar of smoke and fire, then the, the tabernacle, bush. the burning bush, <laughs> then they built the temple, and this is supposed to be the representation of God on the planet, where they do the sacrifices, there's the outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies, mm-hmm. and you tie the rope to the guy, and if he dies, you drag him out, like yeah. all that sort of stuff, is the representation of where God convened with mankind and because of that it attained this crazy high um importance in the jewish life everything revolved around the sacrificial system sacrificial system which we'll get to in the next verse and so when jesus tells the pharisees i think um that i tell you something greater than the temple is here he's saying something greater than the what you hold something greater than the presence of God in one spot is here, i.e., mm-hmm. presence of God, God actually being human walking amongst you. That's way better than a building, yeah. right? And so, when he's, I don't think he's being facetious, I think he's saying that was like you know, 1.0, I'm the 2.0, mm-hmm. um, I'm a major upgrade over the temple because I'm here with you, like. Emmanuel, God with us, right? Mm-hmm. But the Pharisees and, and the folks that continued on um, in the Jewish way and did not convert to Christianity are still hanging on to the temple as God's greatest involvement in mankind to this point. And I just think when Jesus says, I'm better than the temple, he's trying to be like, guys, open your eyes. You see the temple... I'm I'm the next phase. You've been looking for me this whole time. I'm right here. I'm better than, than that because I'm here in the flesh, and they miss it. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think, I think the statement would have had a shock factor that would have probably upset the Pharisees, but I don't think Jesus is saying it out of, you know, uh, shock or trying to shock value. I think he's trying to say, open your eyes, look and see what I've done. Like his response to John, the Baptist disciples, the blind can see the lame can walk. The sick are healed. Mm -hmm. Just open your eyes and look and see what's going on. And what are the options? Yeah. And I just, uh, you know, I even think back to, um, the folks, folks, um, forefathers of the faith, um, and just, you know, even with, with Abraham, it was about a relationship with God. King David, it was about a relationship with God. And, um, you know, 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament where, um, there isn't that sort of um, tangible religious person, follower of God that we can point to, and um, over 400 years, maybe even longer. Um, but they've they've turned this what God desired to be a relationship into a, a list of do's and don'ts, a, a list of rules, and um, I mean. I get it. I mean, nothing's going on for 400 years. You, you kind of 
we're, we're going to fall into our, our sinful nature and um, not do what we should be doing. Um, but then here's Jesus in the, the you know, physical flesh, um, God here on earth, and just sort of that, um, like you were saying, this, I am the Messiah that you've been waiting for. I'm finally here. You know, you religious people that have know the word so well and obeyed all this kind of stuff, you should be able to see that this is who I am. And I think one of the reasons that they had difficulty seeing him for who he was, was again, the relationship was gone. And I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that um, Jesus very much made that, that relationship available again for us. And was, I think, I don't know, I'm just, I'm taking kind of, again, just what we were talking about with the, him being the temple and just going, it's just so, there's so much more. And, oh, by the way, there's even, it's, it's going to get even better, you know? And I know we even probably, uh, you know, if you asked me, which would you rather choose, the Holy Spirit to be able to know and see Jesus in the flesh, I'm probably going to go, oh, give Jesus, give me Jesus in the flesh so I can know, um, but I do believe that what we have with the Holy Spirit um, is better. I really do. Um, and then as I'm saying that, you know, belief needs to be matched with what our actions are. And do my actions really match? <laughs> do I really live like that? Probably not. But... Um, that's why I'm here, and that's why we're discussing this and seeking Him, because I think He'll continue to draw us near um, as we seek Him and we pursue Him. So, All right. He continues, and he says, And uh, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. I feel like we've talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's probably another episode related. Because I was having some serious deja vu earlier <laughs> when I was looking through this. Oh, I thought that was just like a, a rhetorical question of... No, I like can picture in my mind you talking about this, and it's kind of freaking me out. Well, and you know what? I have this... I did remember that we had talked about this, and I had this tremendous fear that when we got to that and started discussing it, that I was going to say something that completely contradicts what we said earlier. <laughs> and so I was going to say, can we just default to re- referencing the earlier show where we... I had to listen through 40 <laughs> episodes, Dave. I'm not doing that. Well, I could probably figure out which one it was that we, we did that. So anyways, he desires mercy, not sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now... I, I'm trying to f- to figure out exactly what he means here because the Pharisees have caught the disciples in a by the letter of the law, um, sin. Right? Mm-hmm. They're they're harvesting the land or whatever the rule is on the Sabbath, which they can do. Then Jesus quotes the Old Testament from when David did the exact same thing and took bread from the priest and mm-hmm. it was fine. And so he's saying that your, your um, type A over-the-top anal retentive addiction to making everything rules is wrong in this instance. And so 
obviously Jesus appreciates sacrifice. That is part of what he did for us, and it's part of what he calls us to do Mm -hmm. for him. So it's not like sacrifice is a bad thing or something he does not care about. But when he says that he desires mercy and not sacrifice, you kind of want to question the whole sacrifice piece. So if we know that sacrifice is a part of who he is and who he calls us to be, what does that tell us about mercy? <laughs> well, and I, I, I think, uh, again, as, as we've been, as we've been talking about the Sabbath and the Pharisees and what is going on here, it's the relationship is gone. There's not a relationship and it's about making the sacrifice. And when I say making a sacrifice, it's the burnt offerings to God in terms of... Well, can you even make a sacrifice where there is no relationship? Because I, f- I feel like that would just be giving up something. And to me, giving up something and sacrificing something are two very different things. Well, I don't think, I don't think it's... I, I guess that's where... When it, I think here when it is saying sacrifice... He, it's talking about, you know, a dove on the altar or a bull on the altar or something like that. And so... Right. But even even then back... It should cost you something because... Back, because it was, it was the choicest of your animals. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the runt that was going to die in a week from, you know, whatever. But that's Anyways. not what it had become. Right. But, but my point is, back then... You know, what was really actually technically called back in the day um, <laughs> when they were in, you know, the wilderness and they were coming out of Egypt, there was that relationship that they tried. They screwed up a bunch, but there was a relationship they had with God and Moses was able to go consult with God and all this stuff. And so the sacrifice had that relational aspect to it. He was leading them mm-hmm. and he was feeding them. And they were responding by sacrificing, as he called them to do. And so to me, these, this idea of sacrifice has to involve relationship because it has to involve love, right? I'm giving up this good thing because I'd rather, you know, I'd rather have this relationship be strong and solid than have this thing, whether mm-hmm. it's a cow or an Apple TV or a new car. <laughs> what like the 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 idea of sacrifice to me has to entail doing it for reasons of love and relationship. Whereas giving something up or donating something is just oh, it's not there's there's no connection there. You know, there's no connection to me when I go donate my stuff to goodwill. It's just I'd rather give it to someone than throw it away. But I'm not doing it because I have a relationship with the person who's going to get my shirts. Mm-hmm. No, it's just a nice thing to do. I'm I'm giving them up. I'm not sacrificing them, you know? So, yeah. I, I mean, I just kind of wonder if that plays a part in this. Because if it does, and then he's saying, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, well, then is that term sacrifice than about what you're saying, what it has become when God, when he goes in and turns over the tables and right, you know, the whip and everything, because they've turned it into just a, a business. Right. And not a relationship. And so does the mercy aspect bring out the relational desire that he wants in us rather than that. Well, I'm just going to go cut another bird up because it's Thursday. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I guess that is what, um, I guess that's what I have interpreted it to become, is that there isn't this relationship here, there isn't this. Um, I, I I guess I'm going to even speculate in that there's not this sense of, oh, I've sinned and I need to be forgiven and repentance and that sort of thing. It's become a ritualistic sort of, I'm just doing this because it's what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing it because it's what my parents did. I'm doing it because it's what my parents' parents did. And so um, I guess I truly do believe that there is an element of the relationship has been gone. And um, I I mean, there's part of it to me that just goes, God, you know, it goes back to the, 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 why do you make it so hard? You know, why was there 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament and the last prophecy and you coming? And why has it been 2000 years uh, since you walked on this earth and there hasn't been any new revelation? We, you, there hasn't been the second coming. And um, no, granted, I do think there, you know, as I mentioned before, I do think there's a difference in that the 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 veil was torn and the Holy Spirit was made available to us, and that um, again, it's better than we can even comprehend. Um, it's better than walking with Jesus in the flesh by having the Holy Spirit available to us. Um, but again, it's probably a good thing that I'm not God because I wouldn't do it this way. I, I don't get why it's so hard and why it takes. Uh, so much effort and why there isn't this sort of like, okay, God, I've chosen to pursue you. I've chosen, I've chosen to see you just kind of give me something on a daily basis to know that you're around. Um, and I, you know, and even as I'm saying those kinds of things, it's like, God's reminding me of, I, I did, I gave you my word, you know, and just, I can think oxygen. of oxygen, you know, all the things <laughs> that he does do. And that's, um, you know, interestingly enough, random kind of, tangent here of just uh, listening to G.K. Chesterton's book on orthodoxy, or it's it's called orthodoxy. It's basically his, um, it's what he put into to book form to uh, explain why he believes in Jesus and what he believes. And uh, ultimately the premise behind all of this is um, if you're, if you, if you pull your head up and look at the world around you and really pay attention to creation, how can you not but help be in wonder of, of, of everything and not see God in it? And I think we're even probably even more so guilty of this today with the number of screens that we have in front of our face. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> As we go through there's, there's not five of them within <laughs> this room. So um, I don't know if I'm even answering the question at this point, but... Um, I, I do believe it, it comes down to um, a relationship versus just doing something because it's what we're supposed to do. And I think that's what Jesus desires. He desires, God desires. Yeah, I just, I had, I just had this thought. Um, so, like I said earlier, that I, I believe that sacrifice only happens in a loving relationship. But I also think... Yeah, that only mercy happens in that same situation, and I think that sacrifice is this idea of I want to give up 
something good for the betterment of this relationship. Whereas mercy is, you don't have to give that up. You know, it's, it's all, it's so sacrifice is the active, um, the active choice to kind of prove the relationship. Whereas mercy to me is the, the passive. It's okay. You don't have to. And that to me is almost more powerful. Yeah. Um, and so when, when Jesus says that he desires mercy over, um, sacrifice, it's the, to me, that's like saying, you know, sacrifice was what it used to be about, but now it's about mercy, which is exactly what Christ has come to bring, which is way harder to do and requires an even greater sacrifice on your part to extend mercy to other people. Um, because mercy involves acknowledging that everything's not okay, but still extending forgiveness and grace in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I say that sacrifice is relational and really exists in that state, I think that mercy is an even more um, daring display of love in a relationship. And so I think perhaps maybe he's trying to, in this very particular instance, open the Pharisees' eyes to, it is so much bigger than what you have whittled it down to be. It is not about the temple. It is not about your sacrificial system. I'm going to show you what true sacrifice is about, and then I'm going to even show you what mercy is about. Because yes, you, even you, can be in the kingdom Mm -hmm. if you would just open your eyes. Yes. So. I would agree. Well, good, Dave. (laughs) All right. Well, do we want to talk about that last question? Or should we make it more more positive? (laughs) Um, Pardon us, we're going to have an aside here. No, that's... uh, You know, I, I, I will have to say this. I have not spent a ton of time... Uh, really looking over Matthew 12. Um, but I've every time I, I, I read this, I just, I sort of get a kick out of, um, you know, Jesus just really uh, just kind of sticking it to the Pharisees a little bit about, um, you know, uh, don't you know, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him and how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of, of the presence? And, you know, just sort of like, I just like the fact that he's like, you know, you're, you guys are missing this. And, oh, this isn't a new thing. I can point to a couple of different things from the Old Testament where this is something you should have picked up on. And, and even in that, you know, King David, who was a man after God's own heart, you know, he didn't have to have Jesus tell him this or point it out to him. He grasped this concept uh, in that moment of of being there with the priest and being hungry and going, you have anything to eat? And the priest is like, well, all I got is the bread from the presence. It's already been, you know, we put the new stuff up there. The old stuff's been taken down and it's really not lawful him for him to do it. But it was like, you know, King David even then got the idea of the relationship and was just like, I'm not disrespecting God. I'm not disrespecting the Sabbath by doing this. This is something that God would want for me. And 
I think all of us, and I and I'm gonna say all of us on this one, would just be so much bolder in our faith if we had that confidence that King David had of not so much worried about, oh, well, the loss is this and this and that. It's no, in this moment, I know that this is what God would have for me. This is how much he loves me. Um, I believe this verse is paralleled in Mark 2, and that is where, um, let me see if I can real quick go to Mark 2. Um, This is where, um, in Mark 2, he talks about that that man is for the, the Sabbath is for man and not man for the Sabbath. So we get the same story. Um, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So Mark 2, 23 and he does it again. Have you never read what what David did when he was hungry? And at the very end, um, he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And again, it's what was God's design in this? What was his desire in this? And it was um it was about God creating something for for us in that relationship. And not so much about a law that was to be um, obeyed. Although the, the the law has its purpose and it points us to Jesus, but <laughs> different story, different conversation, different day. So are we good to do the last one now or? Sure. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask this in a positive way. Okay. Because I don't want to be a negative Nancy. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes those. Um, how can we Americans embrace the idea of the Sabbath, even though our culture probably doesn't? So what can what can our listeners do to help themselves practice the Sabbath appropriately, even though there are... Uh, you know, multi- multitudes of distractions that would want them not to. Yeah. Um, I, I guess first and foremost, uh, ch- church definitely has its place in the Sabbath. And going to church um, is something that we can do to honor the Sabbath and and to draw near to God. And, um, I think it's in that, the context of we should be there because we want to be there. And again, I get the whole, um, we've discussed even these kinds of things of doing things out of obedience when we don't feel like it. And God shows up in those moments. Um, but there really should be an element for us of if we are seeking God uh, more often than not, that a church is a place that we want to be on Sunday morning. Uh, one, we get an opp- opportunity to worship Him and to sing and praise. And um, I would even challenge people to not talk during worship. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> because there's a reverence that should be going on. Uh, when we are worshiping God, God and it's not a time for us to be chit chatting with each other, even if it's just the as service we're is going to be over an hour, you can chat that. That yeah. makes me crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I certainly think that's we could be more reverent in how we worship Him. 
Um, it doesn't, doesn't even mean you have to sing. Just be present to him. Um, at the same note, I, um, I'm probably guilty of that. I'm also guilty of um, thinking about everything else that I want to be doing at times when I'm in worship. Um, just It's just amazing the number of things that can be uh, distracting in that way. Um, I think uh, it's there's an opportunity to give financially um, by belonging to a church. And um, obviously we can give to other places, but I think your local church is, is a very important place um, to worship God through our finances. Uh, the message that's presented there on a Sunday morning, um, it, it really is not about whether you're entertained or not. Uh, do you go asking God to speak to you, to show up to you, to show up and meet you there? Um, and maybe even if you're not at that place, how about praying for other folks? Hey, God, show up and meet others uh, that are looking to, to, that need you this morning. You know, show up and be there for them and... Um, there's just, there's so much that goes on on a Sunday morning with going to church that, uh, we need to make that effort to be present to God. And, uh, I get that that can be a challenge just in terms of getting yourself ready, getting your family ready, getting everybody in the car and driving up to to church and finding a parking spot and all the good things that go with that. Um, and then, you know, whatever it is that you do with the rest of your day, whether that would be you know, um, football, or I guess there's potential that we do yard work and get things done around the house, uh, taking a nap, being with family, doing homework, uh, whatever that might be. Um, I think, um, just sort of, um, recentering on God on Sunday is probably a good thing because, as much as there is that can be to distract us from a Sunday or on a Sunday uh, from God, um, if you have a normal Monday through Friday kind of life where Saturday and Sundays are your weekend, uh, Sunday is probably most likely that time throughout your week where you can slow down and center on God and um, really should do that. Uh, in addition to those other things that we do on Sundays. So, yeah, I mean, all I, all I would say, um, and I think this is in accord with what you've said, is that while the Sabbath may be a day of rest, it is not a day of unintentionality. Like the Sabbath is a very intentional move yes. on God's part. Yep. And so... um I think if we want to take the Sabbath seriously, then we need to be intentional about doing so. The Sabbath is not just going to happen to you. You need to make the necessary adjustments in your life on that day to ensure that the Sabbath is protected from the rest of the pressing matters that are happening in your life. Um and so whether, you know, that's whatever day of the week it is for you, because we all have varying work schedules. Um, I agree with Dave that, yes, getting getting with God and, and making him the focus, um, whether that is through prayer, through church, through Bible study, through time with your family and discussion about those things, um, 
through just personal reflection, whatever, whatever the medium is, there needs to be an intentional choice on your part to not do something else with that time. And trust me, I'm easily distracted. I'm like a goldfish. I see shiny things and I go towards it. Like that's just who I am. Um, and so this is hard for me, um, because I like to be entertained and I like to not do much. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, trying to make the Sabbath um, what it's supposed to be isn't even to me about rest because that's my natural state. I am I am a, ooh, comfy couch. Let's go sit there for a while. I'm not a, I'm a sedentary person, which is terrible for my health. But it, I just, I don't want to move a lot. I like to relax. I like to be comfortable. Um, so the, the idea of the Sabbath being at rest does not really resonate with me as being different from <laughs> what I do on a Monday night when I'm just chilling. To me, I have to remember it's not so much about being still, but it's about using the time that I am still to focus on God, which takes a lot more energy than watching the television or reading a book or listening to podcasts. But it'll probably recharge you oh. in terms of what you're saying. Rest is supposed to do. Yes, rest exactly. Because <laughs> it's actual. It's purposeful rest to the the one source that can give us what we desperately need. Yeah, and we are really good at tricking ourselves that what we want to spend our time on is really worth spending our time on. When in most instances, it's not. Right. Yeah, you know, um, was recently going back and listening to episode three that we did with the podcast, and uh, the title was "I Want You Not to Pray." In bold move, <laughs> it is a bold move. Um, so my thought is, is if you are a there's 52 Sundays in a year, and I go to church 52 Sundays a year, uh, maybe you might need to do something different on a Sunday for the Sabbath. So it's a, I want you not to go to church. Now, granted, you probably need to fill that with something else. And I think that was kind of one of the things that you were talking about is you can still do the Sabbath without going to church. Um, and I think God honors that and he blesses that. I don't think that that should be your regular practice. I don't think you want to replace other things uh, with a Sunday morning. Yes, but I choose to spend my Sabbath at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. But, you know, it. you may stay home and read your Bible. Um, you may uh, choose to listen to a podcast. You may decide to read a book. You may decide to go for a walk. You may, you know, there's a number of things that you can certainly do to still encounter God on a, on a, on a Sunday morning, the Sabbath, or if you're Seventh-day Adventist. I don't know how many of those in our audience, but Saturday would be your Sabbath. <laughs> um um, yeah, there there are other things you can do and still meet with God on your Sabbath. Just don't make don't expect that to replace um the church because there's certainly community that needs to happen there. So agreed. All right, well I think we've come to the end. We've come to the end. <laughs> yes, wait. Ding ding. Yes, that noise <laughs> indicates we have reached the end of double jeopardy, Dave. All right. Well, thank you for listening. 
Yes. It's been a pleasure as always. I don't know what to say now. You think I'd be good at this. <laughs> oh, hey. If you would like to take a peek at the show notes, we'll have links to lots of the things that we discussed today to help uh, perhaps get you more information. Uh, you can go to masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 41 if you would like to get a hold of us or share some resources that uh, you uh, are into. You can uh, get us on Twitter at MasterclassFM or email us MasterclassFM at gmail.com. And I just now realized, Dave, mm-hmm. that listener Nick gave me resources and I totally didn't, didn't mention share. them at the beginning of the oh, show. No. And I feel like an idiot. So... Next episode, episode 42, we'll be sure to share uh, Nick's resources. He had a couple of podcasts on there, too. Cool. So, and I also went to Bio BioLogos, mm-hmm. Bio, and that's very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Might so, need to talk about that next week, too. I forgot yeah. about that because I was, I was blown away by that, actually. Yes. So kudos to Jerome for um, mentioning BioLogos and um, whatever the anti-kudo is to me for failing to mention <laughs> Nick's stuff this episode. Ooh, yeah, yes. I know. I'm terrible. But on that lovely note, I think it's time to <laughs> say goodbye. Goodbye.